0: Mark chapter 2, and we'll begin reading in verse 23. Let's stand together, please, and we'll read the scripture and have prayer before we get into the text. And it came to pass that he went through the cornfields on the Sabbath day, and his disciples began as they went to pluck the ears of corn. And the Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? And he said unto them, Have you never read what David did when he had need, and was in hunger, he and they that were with him? How he went into the house of God in the days of Abiathar the high priest, and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priests." And gave also to them which were with him. And he said unto them, the Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. So we're going to look at this passage today, and in order to do so, we really have to look at the matter of the Sabbath a little bit and understand why God gave it and what um, had been added to it, the re- requirements that the jews put upon people and then finish up with this to me the, the great ending of this passage where it says that the sabbath was not made for man but man for the sabbath and that the lord is lord also of the sabbath that's a great statement good to see you let's pray father please bless as we study today, together today we need your help Help us to be attentive to the Word of God. We thank you that this is your Word, divinely inspired, given by inspiration of God, and profitable. So we want to profit from it today. So lead us as we teach, as we listen, as we learn, as we receive, embrace, and apply the Word of God to our life today. Do in us, do for us, do through us what we could never do ourselves. And we'll trust you for that and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We've seen this played out now several times just in the first two chapters of the Gospel of Mark. The setting is, to me, very clear, very easy to visualize. Jesus is walking along through the fields now, not along the Sea of Galilee, but through the fields on the Sabbath day, the Sabbath, of course. In the Jewish calendar is it the seventh day of the week. And uh, more than likely, it's a Sabbath day. They're walking. They're going to a synagogue where they will meet, where they will assemble with those Jewish people. And as they're doing so, the disciples begin to pluck grain for food. Now, it's hard for us to visualize that. Some people in here have probably eaten some fresh grain and maybe even ears or... A uh, corn off, r- right off the stalk. And this is probably not that kind of corn. This is more like wheat or that sort of a, a grain. The word corn is, refers to the head of the grain that's standing up from the stalk, but not the corn that we would think. And so it was customary for Jews to do this. As a matter of fact, let me read you a, p- a verse from Deuteronomy 23. Just listen up. It says this. When thou comest into the standing corn of thy neighbor, then thou mayest pluck... "...the ears with thine hand, but thou shalt not move a sickle unto thy neighbor's standing corn." So the Bible even spoke about what they're doing. It was permitted. There were guidelines for it. If you're walking along by your neighbors, and by the way, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, they would often leave gleanings, they leave the corners of the fields for poor people to be able to go to, people who maybe didn't have enough for their family... And so it's very common if you're walking along, and I've seen cars pull on the side of the road and see corn growing, roasting ears, and go out and pull a few. I don't think that's necessarily right or legal, but in, in the Old Testament time or the New Testament time, that was legal. And they would take that grain and they would uh, rub it sort of like you would if you are threshing it. You'd rub, the, rub it and get the uh, chaff off of it and they'd eat the raw grain. And so that's exactly what they were doing. Now, the disciples were not alone, as was often the case. Some of the Pharisees were there. They're observing what's going on. They're questioning. And if you, again, if you see there in Mark chapter 2, um, they said in verse 24, The Pharisees said unto him, Behold, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? So the Pharisees called Jesus out and said what they're doing is against the law. Now, we're going to talk about that some this morning. And uh, the Pharisees uh, were sort of obsessed with this matter of finding something wrong with Jesus. They, They kind of remind me of the way the press is sometime in our country. We have a suspect. We're just trying to find something to charge him with. And that's the way they were with Jesus. They were against Jesus. They had no legal reason to be against Jesus. But they spent their lives trying to find something wrong with Jesus. They could pin it on him. Um, Look in Mark uh, chapter 3. We're looking in chapter 2. But look in chapter 3 and verse 1. Just to show you again their behavior. And he entered again into the synagogue. And there was a man there which had a withered hand. So Jesus goes into a synagogue... A man's there who has a hand that is uh, handicapped. It's, 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 it's withered, the Bible says. Look in verse 2. And they watched him, whether he would heal on the Sabbath day, that they might accuse him. That's their whole purpose. They weren't watching to be excited that somebody got healed. They're watching and hoping they can find something to pin on Jesus. And so in Mark chapter 2, that's what they're doing as they're observing Uh, what's going on in this field. So they ask the question, why is it that your disciples are plucking and eating this corn on the Sabbath day? So they're kind of like self-appointed Sabbath police, right? They're just uh, there to defend and protect the Sabbath, the holy day. So let's think a bit uh, this morning about the Sabbath. Uh, The Jewish people would call it more like Shabbat. Uh, Their seventh day, the Sabbath... The word, the word Sabbath, and this is important to understand, purely means a day of rest. A day of rest. And it's first mentioned before the law that Moses was given in Exodus. It was first mentioned in Genesis chapter 2, when God had created, God had created everything that he created in six literal 24-hour days. And the Bible says in verse. 3 of Genesis chapter 2. And God blessed the seventh day. God blessed it and sanctified it because that in it he had rested from all his work, which God created and made. So so Sabbath, the Sabbath didn't come because man had sinned and man needed more energy. Uh, Before there was sin, before there ever was a sin, God created the Sabbath and God observed the Sabbath. He rested. On the, on the seventh day. It was practiced. Now, If you're able to, mark your Bible here in Mark chapter 2. And let's go to the Old Testament, the book of Exodus. And I want to point out just a couple of places where the Sabbath was observed. Exodus uh, chapter 16. And we'll begin reading right in the middle of the passage. Having to do with the giving of manna, God providing manna for His people. They were hungry, and God is going to give them manna from heaven to eat that they might have food every day. And He did that, by the way, for 40 years. Isn't that amazing? Exodus chapter 16 and verse 22. And it came to pass that on the sixth day, in our calendar that would be Friday, on the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread two Omer's for one man. And all the rulers of the synagogue came and told Moses. And he said unto them, This is that which the Lord hath said. Tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath. What does Sabbath means? Rest. Tomorrow is the rest of the holy Sabbath unto the Lord. Bake that which you will bake today, and see that you will see. Cook it, boil it, bake it. And that which remaineth over, lay up for you to be kept. "...till the morning. And they laid it up till the morning, as Moses bade, and it did not stink. Neither was there any worm therein. And Moses said, Eat that today, for today is a Sabbath unto the Lord. Today you shall not find it in the field." you go out there, it's not going to be there. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is the Sabbath, in it there shall be none." it came to pass that that there went out some of the people on the seventh day for to gather. And they found none. Isn't that just like us? God says, if you go out on the seventh day, it's not going to be there. It was there there on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. If you go out Saturday, it's not going to be there. So what did they do on Saturday? They went out to see if it was there. And sure enough, it wasn't. Verse 28, And the Lord said unto Moses, How long? refuse you to keep my commandments and my laws, why don't you just do what I tell you to do? Right? Isn't that what he's saying? How long How long is it going to take for you to get this? Just when I tell you to do something, just do it. Verse 29, see, for that the Lord hath given you the Sabbath, therefore he giveth you on the sixth day the bread of two days, abide ye every man in his place, let no man go out of his place on the seventh day, so the people rested on the seventh day. So there we have the observance of the... Sabbath during the giving of the manna and provision for that. Now turn to the right a little bit in Exodus, to Exodus chapter 20. And here we have the Ten Commandments. Exodus chapter 20, and we're just going to look at the verses that apply to the Sabbath. I want you to notice how many verses are devoted to the Sabbath. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. Now, by the way, let me, just, let me just pause for a moment. There's nothing wrong with people working a, a 10 hours a day, 4 days a week. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but somehow we've got the idea, it seems like, in our culture, that you know if you have to work 6 days, there's, there's really something bad going on in our world. But from the beginning, people worked 6 days. Right? It, it, was, and it wasn't like... And by the way, God set it up that way. So, just just for the what it's worth category. So... Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. Verse 10. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it. Now this is the Ten Commandments given by God directly to Moses. In it thou shalt not not do any work. Thou nor thy son nor thy daughter. Thy manservant nor thy maidservant nor thy cattle. Nor thy stranger that is within thy gates. For in six days, here was the pattern. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. So God made the seventh day a special day. He made it to be a holy day. He hallowed it. It was a holy, that's what the word means, it was a holy day. So we see that in the Ten Commandments. And you find it numerous places in the Bible, far too many for us to look at today. In Nehemiah's day, for instance... They were breaking the Sabbath by buying and selling and trading, and there was a severe, they were severely judged for that. But now that you go to Exodus 31, because this is an important, very important thing to understand about the Sabbath. Exodus 31. And that's what we'll see here I'll tell you before we read it, that, that in very precise language, God says that the Sabbath was a peculiar and particular observance for the Jewish people, the seventh day. Now, it's important to understand that, because some people uh, still today, to this day, they feel like they ought to worship on uh, the seventh day, and if you don't worship on the seventh day, they're called Seventh-day Adventists, maybe you've heard of them. If you don't worship on the seventh day, you can't be saved, you're breaking one of the Ten Commandments. But we see here, in a way that to me is beyond dispute, that it was primarily to the Jewish people. Exodus 31, and look with me if you would please, in verse 12, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak thou also unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily, my Sabbaths you shall keep, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I am the Lord that sanctify you. Now he says there it's between me and you, a covenant, a sign, but he even strengthens that As you go on and read, verse 14, You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy unto you. Everyone that defileth it shall surely be put to death. For whosoever doeth any work therein, that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Six days may work be done. But in the seventh is the Sabbath of rest. Holy to the Lord. Strong language there. Holy set apart to the Lord. Whosoever doeth any work in the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. Wherefore the children of Israel shall keep the Sabbath to observe the Sabbath throughout all their their generations for a perpetual covenant. Look in verse seventeen. For it is a sign between me and the children of Israel forever. How long? Who is it between him and who? Children of Israel. And how long was it for? Forever, for in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So it's very obvious to me that the seventh day set apart with an a um, punishment in those days of death that it was for particularly for the Jewish people for the Israel, and by the way, they still observe it to this day. It was a holy day. It was a day of rest. It was a day of remembrance. They were to remember the fact... There, really, there were several things they were to remember if you read through the entire Old Testament. They were to remember that God made the earth in six days and rested on the seventh. They were also told that they were to remember their deliverance from Egypt on that particular day. So, it was a day of rest and a day of remembrance, but it's also a day of refreshment. Now, let's go, go now back to Mark chapter 2 because we want to look at... This conversation between the Pharisees and Jesus, because what they said to him in verse 23 was a false accusation. When it says, um, verse 24, excuse me, when he says, why do they on the Sabbath day that which is not lawful? They said they're breaking the law by doing this. They're eating the neighbor's corn Though the fact that they were eating their neighbor's corn was not breaking the law because God already gave them guidelines for when they, broke the, when they ate their neighbor's corn. But the Jews had added many, many rules that were associated with the Sabbath. And some of them are quite humorous. Uh, rules that are not found in the Scripture. For instance, even in the book of Acts, it says this, that they went uh, from the Mount of Olives to Jerusalem, which is about a Sabbath day's journey. So by the time that the New Testament was written, these, many of these Sabbath laws had been instated. One was how far you could travel on the Sabbath day. And they were very precise about it. It was about 2,000 cubits or 2,000 steps. That's a Sabbath day's journey. If you travel for more than that, you've broken the Sabbath. I've read that the reason they made it 2,000 days was because... When they were camped around the tabernacle in the Old Testament, everybody lived within 2,000 steps or 2,000 cubits of the tabernacle. So they felt like it was okay for, with God if you were to come to the tabernacle from your house. So that would be a good rule. So you couldn't travel over 2,000 steps, which is about two-thirds of a mile. And to one of these rules that they established was, uh, you were breaking the Sabbath to look in a mirror that was fixed to a wall. Now, you could look at a mirror that sits on your countertop, maybe, but you couldn't look at a mirror that was fixed on the wall on the Sabbath day. Um, An egg that was laid on the Sabbath day should not be eaten because the hen worked in laying the egg. Now, these are actual Sabbath laws or Sabbath rules. If you finished riding your donkey at sunset on the sunset that would begin the Sabbath, you know, the evening and the morning were the first day. As the sun's about to go down, if you got off your donkey right at sunset, the challenge was, what do you do? Because if you take the saddle off the donkey, you're working on the Sabbath day. If you leave the saddle on the donkey, he's having to work on the Sabbath day. Very challenging questions. When my wife and I were in Israel... Uh, There were elevators and there were Sabbath elevators, Shabbat elevators. And what made a Sabbath elevator, elevator special was that when you got on the elevator, it automatically stopped at every floor. That way you could get off at your floor without pushing the button. So it was legal to ride on a Sabbath elevator because you weren't allowed to push the button on the Sabbath day. There were laws, and the New Testament talks about this, laws regarding the washing of your hands. But of all these laws that are not found in the Bible, these are man-made traditions. All of these laws, of all of them, 11 of them had to do with the production and the reaping and the preparation of bread. Sowing the seed, the, the reaping of the seed, picking the grain... Grinding, like would be winnowing, grinding grinding the grain, baking the grain. And so when they bring up these laws, they're not talking about what God forbid in the Old Testament. What they're talking about is man has forbidden. And these laws, these many, many Sabbath laws, and one of them had to do with reaping the grain. You can't do that. You've broken the law. You've broken the Sabbath. And the other one had to do with actually... Uh, what they would do in grinding it in their hands to get the separation of the of this, uh, seed, the, the grain, from the chaff that was broken, breaking that law. And those were the laws the Jews were accusing them of breaking. As a matter of fact, talking about that act, I'm not going to turn to it, but in Luke's Gospel, when he talks about this, he says they were rubbing the grain within their hands, which was forbidden, according to their tradition. And... These laws, these man made traditions over the years were added by Jewish leaders. Uh, if you're in Mark, go to the right a little bit to Mark chapter 7. And I just want to read a reference, and we'll talk about this more when we get to Mark chapter 7. But Jesus called these the traditions of men. Mark chapter 7 and verse 7. Howbeit in vain do they worship me? teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things you do. And he said unto them, Full well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your own tradition. So Jesus Jesus knew all of this, of course. And so Jesus addressed it in a way that it could not be missed. He did it prior to this in Mark chapter 2 when he healed someone on the Sabbath day. He knew that was going to be an issue. Here he does it when he's letting his disciples pick this corn this on the Sabbath day. Because there's something the Pharisees needed to see. And that is their, their traditions are not the same as God's laws. And there's something that's over their traditions. And they had glaring inconsistencies, as you know from reading the New Testament. For instance, Jesus called him out on this one day. It's okay for you if you have an ox in the ditch on the Sabbath day. You'll help your ox get out of the ditch. But it's not okay for you if I heal someone who's blind on the Sabbath day. The Jewish permitted the rite of circumcision to be done on the Sabbath day because they put such high importance on circumcision... So they could do that on the Sabbath day, but Jesus couldn't heal somebody on the Sabbath day. So you have all these, these great uh, glaring inconsistencies and many, many uh, man-made traditions that were burdens to the people. Now, somebody could take what I've just said, what I've talked about, and say, Well, say that, see, then then God's laws are just a burden to us. No, these were not God's laws. These were the traditions of men. And there's a difference between God's laws and the traditions of men. Jesus is going to um, teach some things about the Sabbath that I think are important. Verse 27, Jesus said this, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Now when you look at all these different traditions concerning the Sabbath, doesn't it, doesn't it seem obvious to you that those traditions are not really for man? They're they're just they put they put burdens on people. And they're and they're, Jesus said, "What you need to understand was the Sabbath was not the Sabbath was made for man, and and so to be a benefit and a blessing to men. So let's just think about that aspect of the Sabbath. You know, it was to be a day of rest. It was to be a day of refreshment. Physical rest. Emotional rest, I think. Spiritual refreshment. And and that part, even though, and this is an important thing to understand, even though we are not under the seventh day obligation anymore, and the Bible teaches that, that doesn't mean a day of rest is a bad thing. The principle of God himself rested on the seventh day. Is that right or wrong? God did. So, so... You say, well, you might be asking, and it'd be a good question to ask if you never really pursued it. Then why do we meet on, like today? This is not the Sabbath day. This is not the the seventh day. It's the first day of the week, right? So why do we meet on the first day? And this really deserves a lot more attention. And we've covered it numerous times over the years that I've been here. But the New Testament church began immediately... Meeting on the first day of the week. Now they would still go to the synagogue and evangelize or teach and preach. But they met on the first day of the week as a body of believers. And the first, the first day that they met on the first day of the week was the day of the resurrection. Jesus raised on the morning of the first day of the week. And that evening Jesus met, revealed himself to his disciples. Seven days later, the next week... On Sunday, Jesus met with his disciples on the first day of the week. In Acts chapter 20, in verse 7, it tells us that on the first day of the week, the disciples were assembled together. If you're just looking for some other verses to study this yourself, Acts chapter 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, 1 Corinthians 16, and he says, on the first day of the week when you're gathered together, they the church so there's no disputing this Jesus established the first day of the week the word of god establishes the first day of the week to be the primary day of worship and god commands us to assemble on the, it's for our own good and and so I, I i don't think this is confusing but if but if anytime you put just put your mind to it get this bible out you'll see that the Sabbath was made, created by God. Even he himself observed it. And he began with the giving of the manna, with the giving of the law, for his uh, people Israel to observe a seventh day as a day of rest. But he clearly said in the book of Exodus, this is primarily for Israel. But, But the principle... Of a day of rest is good for all of us. And the church in the New Testament, ever since the days of the New Testament, have met on the first day of the week. Now, um, just a little personal um, testimony. My mother never worshipped on the Sabbath day, on the seventh day of the week. She, She took us to a Baptist church. But almost without fail, she prepared her, her meals on Saturday. So on Sunday, as much time as possible could be given to rest. She would not let us stop at a grocery store uh, on the Sunday. And it wasn't because it's, she was under this law. It's not because she's under the law. She just felt like a day of rest is is good to be observed. And by the way, we still practice that pretty much in our home. You know, we we don't... There's On rare occasions, it's not a law that we... You know, God's going to be mad at us if we break it. It's just, it's just an observance that one day of the week ought to be different than every other day. And by the way, the world was a better place when places of business were closed on Sunday and when people took Sunday off and everybody didn't work on Sunday. It was a better world. Amen? That's one of the reasons why we don't frequent a lot of places on Sundays because... I think they ought to be in church. I feel bad going in and giving my business when they ought to be in church. It just makes sense to me. It's kind of a 2 plus 2 equals 22, really. Now let's go back to Mark chapter 2 for a moment. Because I want to get through this. Um, so Jesus, in teaching them, he reminded them. He didn't argue with them about it. He reminded them of an event in David's life. Way back in 1 Samuel 21. He said this in verse 25. Mark 2, 25. And he said unto them, Have you never read what David did when he had need and was a hungered? he and they that were with him? How he went into the house of God in the days of Abithar the high priest and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat. Notice that. It's not lawful to eat, but for the priests. And gave also to them which were with him. Now, Jesus is giving them an interesting example that I think serves as a good example for us. Back in that day, David was on the run. Saul was pursuing him. He had some men with him. And they were famished. And they wanted something to eat. They went, and they went before the priest. And um, they changed the showbread out on a regular basis. And David wanted some of that showbread to eat. And the priest gave it to them. And they ate it. And it's very plain right here. Notice what it says in Mark chapter 2 and verse 26, and did not eat, and did eat the showbread, which is not lawful to eat, but for the priest. The Bible is very clear that showbread was to be eaten by the priests, And yet David ate it. And the lesson there is that even though there was a ceremonial law in place, that the, the, the real, felt, genuine needs of people could be observed you can make an exception to it now that's an i think that's an important thing to think about it was a legitimate exception the bible says the only people that can eat this are the priests that's what the bible says if you read uh in the old testament and yet on that day because god's man david and the people were so famished and the priests gave it to them jesus jesus could have said they were wrong but they were not wrong now Just saying that, to me, kind of opens up a can of worms. Because people have a tendency, all of us have this tendency. When you're in a situation like that, and you feel like, you know, it would be okay for me to do something I wouldn't customarily do, or not do something I would ordinarily do, because it's an extenuating circumstance, then people have the tendency to want to start doing it more and more and more. Right? But it's just like today. Uh, I believe we ought to be in the Lord's house every Lord's day. And most of you are with me on that. But if the weather would have been so bad, I don't think we'd have been wrong to say, look, it doesn't make sense for us to get it. You follow what I'm saying? That's kind of exactly the same kind of thing. And people, we have, human nature has a tendency, once you give yourself a slide on one time, you'll give yourself a slide on other times. And so Jesus is basically telling them, that it was okay. It was okay what happened in 1 Samuel 21, and it's okay in this situation. Matter of fact, in Matthew's record of what we're just reading about in Mark, Jesus said used these words. He said his disciples were guiltless. In other words, they have they did not do anything wrong. And they didn't they didn't break any, they didn't break any of God's laws, right? only thing they broke with some of these traditions that people had. And then so Jesus, with that in mind, Jesus said this in verse 27, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Simple words, great truth. The Sabbath was made for man. The Pharisees were not concerned about men. They weren't concerned about the hunger of the disciples. All they were concerned about was their man-made traditions. And by the way, people, there are people around today that really have that same kind of an issue. These disciples of Christ weren't trying to circumvent the law or break the Sabbath. God made man before He made the Sabbath. God made man, and then God instituted the Sabbath for the man. And it's good for man. Why did God do that? It's very simple, but very important to understand. Everything God wants us to do is good for us. God's, God knew it was good for man to rest. And this day of rest would be observed. And uh, by the way, it wasn't just a day of rest for the men. It was, a re- it was a day of rest for the leaders of the family. It was a day of rest for the servants in the household. It was a day of rest for the animals as well. I wish, you, I wish we would all take this to heart today. Maybe none of us need this, but I think it's, it cries out to be said. If people would set aside a day for physical rest and, and for spiritual their spiritual health and well-being, they would be much healthier because of it. Now, there are going to be times of necessity that we do something that's not customarily the right thing. But, but as a rule... A day of rest is a good thing to do. And God's commandments are always good for us. It's never good. It's never good to disregard God's commands. It's never good. It's never beneficial. It's never advantageous to disregard or minimize God's commands. They're always for our benefit. People have tried it. People have tried it. They're going to get ahead in life by working seven days a week. They're going to get ahead in life by neglecting the Lord's day. They're going to get ahead in life by robbing God of the tithes and offerings that God claims. We're we're going to do better. Nobody ever did better by disobeying God's word. And it's a good lesson for us to learn. We We are His servants and He's a good master. Amen. So Jesus finally, in verse 28, says, Therefore... The Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. Now, that's an interesting phrase. Because he's identifying himself. To those Pharisees, The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now, we may not understand what Lord means. We may not, you know, process that. But they knew what Lord means. Lord means master. Lord means boss. Right? Lord means king. And he said, just so you know, the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. (laughs) In other words, if he thinks something would be done better on the Sabbath, he has the right to say so. Only God himself could claim to be the Lord of the Sabbath. Because God is the creator. And God ordered, ordained the Sabbath. And God observed the Sabbath himself. And he made the Sabbath. But he made it for man. He didn't make the Sabbath so that man could take the Sabbath and make it as he pleases. God made the Sabbath for man. And he's the Lord of the Sabbath. There's something over man's traditions. And that's the Lord. So these Pharisees, though, they were more loyal to their tradition, but they didn't recognize the superiority, the lordship of Christ. Now, again, I just want to say this because I think you'll understand why it applies. When people hear this kind of preaching and teaching, sometimes people have a tendency to interpret the Scripture like they want to interpret it, rather than the way it is, or the principles of the Word of God. And I'm going to explain to you why I'm saying that. Because sometimes they'll say, well, then why do we... Even? They'll take that, and this is where they'll go with that. Then why do we even have to obey God at all? I mean, why do we, why do we follow these laws? if? We, but, and that's... Jesus never... Read this over and over as many times as you want to read it. Jesus never said the Sabbath should be eliminated for the Jews. He never said that. Right? What he did say was that it was made for man, and man does not have the right to take it and pervert it and twist it and manipulate and control people with it. And by the way, there are lots and lots and lots of commands of the Old Testament having to do with dietary laws, things of that nature, that we know, according to the New Testament... That they no longer pertain to us. Now, if you want to be a a vegan, go right ahead. But the Bible didn't command it. You know, if you wanna if you want to not eat meat, be vegetarian, go right ahead. But don't preach it to everybody else, because the Bible says it's good. Right? So there are a lot of those laws of the Old Testament have been done away with. They don't they were ceremonial law, they don't pertain to us. But that doesn't mean everything God said that we have the right or the privilege to just pick and choose what we're going to believe. But it does mean this. We can't take and make a bunch of extra biblical traditions, put them on top of the Word of God and and give them the same authority. You say, well, who does that? Lots of religions do that. They make up these traditions. that cannot be found in the Bible. You read that Bible through and through and through as many times as you want to read it. You'll never find, for instance, never find one time anything about baptizing a baby that's a tradition of man and I promise you Jesus would have called it out if he lived in our day so the, Bible's the, the Bible ought to be the final authority for our faith and our practice and because the Lord has made the first day of the week call by the way in the Bible the Lord's day the Lord's day not the Sabbath day, not the seventh day the day that the church assembled the Lord's day we ought, to, we ought to recognize that, that he is the Lord and he is supreme. I think we ought to consult him about what we do on the Lord's day. It's not like any other day. I think, it ought, I think he ought to be first. And, and I'm, I live in a day when I, as a pastor, I witness the spiritual decline, the spiritual malnutrition in so many Christians' lives. They're not spiritually strong. They're not, they're not really walking by faith. I'm not being judgmental. I'm just telling it's the world we live in. And yet one of the common common denominators in so many is they don't put the right priority on a day of worship, a day of rest and worship and seeking God and putting the Lord first. It's good for us. It's good for us. Amen? So. The Sabbath was not made for man, or was made for man, but not man for the Sabbath. And the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. I I want to encourage you to be a Bible believer. Amen? And what the Sabbath says is important to me. You say, "Well, why would it be important?" Your daughter said, "It's important to me because these are patterns that God has given us in His Word that we could." We heard a song about it today about knowing Him, knowing His ways, and that's what this ought to be about. Amen.